Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. We are here virtually at Slam Dance 2021 with Rekha Shankar from her episodic hustle. Rekha, thank you so much for being on Bitch Talk. I can't wait to just, you know, talk shit real soon. But before we do that, can you please introduce our audience to Hustle? Yeah. Uh, well, firstly, thank you so much for having me. Um, and Hustle is my digital series. It's about two women of color, best friend gamers that are fighting the everyday super villains of unequal opportunity and having a <laughs> shitty day job. <laughs> it's supposed to be kind of like a, a video games meets freelance or Scott Pilgrim meets freelance kind of series. Yeah. And, and it's like hashtag relatable, right? Uh, <laughs> especially for us. But um, my first question is, when did you start writing Hustle and how did you go about casting it? Because I love Rachel. So, oh, yeah, Rachel's tell awesome. the stories. Yeah. So um, I wrote the pilot for Hustle. So the Hustle is actually like a larger, like 30 page pilot. I wrote that in 2015, end of 2015, early 2016. And then I entered it into script contests as one does. And it got rejected from like 12 contests or something. And it made me very sad. Uh, and I was just really down about it. Cause you know, in my mind, uh, I liked my pilot and uh, uh, mm -hmm. none of these script contests did. So that meant my voice wasn't viable as a writer. Uh, and then I kind of just thought to myself, I remember my teacher for the pilot class I took had like a newsletter. His name's Scott C. Reynolds. He's great. Um, and he had like a newsletter about writing and just like the problems you encounter with writing and all that kind of stuff. And one of the newsletters he had was about like uh, taking things into your own hands and like just doing things yourself. And I was like, I have a film degree. What is the matter with me? Uh, <laughs> I can't wait around for someone to like, let me do things. So I, I, uh, re jiggered, uh, hustle into digital like webisodes that I could actually film. Cause I was like, cool. This thing I wrote is unfilmable. This would cost <laughs> me so much money. Uh, but I know things that I can film and I know, you know, the crew I would use. I'm lucky enough to still have that like film community I went to college with. So then I pared it down into like four episodes. Um, and while I was doing that, I made like a sample episode for like truly the cost of like three frozen pizzas at Trader Joe's. <laughs> and, um, which ones though? Yeah. Is it with meat or without? without the flatbread it's the, it was or? the four cheese. The and then I might've done the mushroom flatbread as like a- nice. As like another for episode option. four. Episode four was <laughs> with the mushroom. You bring yeah. out the yeah. So yeah. I did that. I did that to shoot episode one, where I shot that with no Kickstarter money, but I edited it to be ready for the Kickstarter, so I could use that as like proof of concept. Yeah. Like, hey, so this smart. So would smart. Look better if we had money. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's how that part came to be. And then with with casting, 
I only know, I mean, this sounds dumb, but like, I only know what I know. And so I only knew how to cast things the way I did in film school, which was to have auditions in my apartment. Uh, <laughs> so I like made sides out of like the Paige Knowles character who was based on my roommate at the time, Sam Knowles. Uh, and I, you know, knew a bunch of people from UCB and doing improv for so many years that I emailed everyone I knew. I put up a Facebook thing being like, Hey, here's some parts I have available, including Paige as the biggest part. Uh, and had people come through. Everyone was great. We had freaking Corinne Wells and, uh, Tiara Francis, all these really awesome people. And Rachel just sort of like effortlessly knocked it out of the park because she does that with everything um so it's like a pretty instantaneous like oh it's got to be Rachel um and then the rest of the parts too like I wrote Mike Yang uh who's not <laughs> in this episode but is in the previous episodes for right. Bo and Yang right uh and I had him come over to audition but I was like I mean there's no way he's not gonna be great and he was uh yeah, so it was really through my UCB network and then just um, weirdly bringing people to my apartment to audition them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. I, God, I, you bring up so many things that I want to respond to, but I'm going to start with a confession. Um, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, Lean no, in. So, Lean in, everybody. So here's the thing. I infamously or famously say I'm not a millennial, right? Because I'm born on the cusp and I'm like, no, I'm not. And everybody says I am. And I'm like, no, but I don't relate. And But you have made me relate to the the millennial um first of all the plate that you're eating on my parents have had those plates for my entire life i still eat on those plates i'm gonna have dinner on them tonight uh that, that with the brown flowers on the right is that like the immigrant special at like what i mean where did why do i have those plates i've had those plates since birth yes and when i went to college my parents were like, here, take a couple of our plates with you. <laughs> so they gave me two of those plates. And then when I moved out of college into my first apartment, I took those two plates with me. And then we're filming that first episode of Hustle for $4. And it was like, we need a plate. Okay. Yeah. And so many people have commented on that plate, which is hilarious. Cause I have, I know a lot of Asian people who have that plate. And then- <laughs> Okay. Wow. My mind is blown. I didn't, but the, that meant I was like, whoa, already I'm related to you in the first fucking second of the first episode. Yeah. Second of all, your homage to the karate kid. I have a whole oh, backstory. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. I have a whole backstory that we won't get into. Um, Super Nintendo. I still have mine. And I have had more so than anyone else I know of my f- immediate friends, more jobs where I've worked my fucking ass off for nothing. Yeah. You know, so I just, I really just... I felt so seen. Oh gosh, <laughs> from, thank you. Oh, I'm this. sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, and I was like, God damn it, am I a millennial? Okay, so I'm, I'm uh, not that I hate millennials. You know, I just never related, or so I thought. So anyway, I'm just going to confess that and thank you because oh. you spoke to me oh my um, God. on on many levels. Um, but my question is actually um, the graphics. This is you're watching a, a video game in essence it <laughs> looks so fucking cool and i can't even imagine the preparation it took to every shot has to be framed so perfectly for you for you to mm-hmm. to have graphics in every scene multiple and i almost didn't want to blink because i was like oh i'm gonna miss something cool you know because it happens so fast so can you talk about totally just preparing for something where the post work is just gonna gonna be insane. Totally. I literally, I could even get them if it's of interest, but I literally just recycled my storyboards from Hustle uh, like a day ago. They're in my like, recycling bed right now. No, take them out. Yeah, 
I'm just gonna go in the museum. One yeah, day yeah, when right. You make it. I can, ab- I can absolutely grab them if they'd be of use because so I used to be a video editor and I was never good at graphics, but I know the truly like ABCs rudimentary things you need to build like a certain graphic. Like I know, oh, this needs to be a locked off shot. Or uh, we need to give headroom for this kind of thing. So I knew very little things. What I did know is to ask someone before we shot. So what we did was, um, so my director, Matt Strickland, uh, had a friend, Will Batchelor, who he worked with at MTV. And Will does all these visual effects and, and things like that and seemed interested in just trying something that wasn't, you know, for his job, his everyday job. <laughs> so we met at what is the name of that bar? Pine Box Rock Shop off the Morgan L in New York. Nice. <laughs> and uh, uh, kind of went through the script and um, I would bold all the places I wanted graphics. And I would describe it probably in the dumbest way possible that like, you know, if a real video effects editor is reading that, they're like, okay, sure. I get what you mean. That's not how you say it. So I would just like bold all of them like that, show it to him, describe what I was looking for. And he'd be like, here's what I need. Uh, and I would take notes, furious notes on that and like draw out like, okay, so if it was framed like this, does this work? He's like, yeah, that should work. That kind of thing. Wow. Um, little things like, like you'll notice in the first episode, I'm wearing a blue hoodie that has rainbow stripes, but in no other episodes, do I wear that? <laughs> and we're supposed, like my dream in the first episode is like, we wear the same outfits every single episode, like video game characters. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason that changed is because Will, so we filmed that before we really like checked in with a ton of visual effects stuff. Or we did check in, but I did not check in on wardrobe with him. He's like, you have a green stripe in your hoodie. That means you can't do any green screen. And I was right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so then episodes two through four, I was like, okay, we'll just have this be like, um, you know how in the first episode of a pilot, sometimes they'll be like, we have four kids. And the next episode, they like have yeah. three or whatever, <laughs> yes, yeah. and they'll never address it. This is going to be like that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so we, I just tried to copiously check in with Will beforehand. Uh, and even sometimes like, just like text him while we're on set, like, hey, we couldn't get this, but is this okay kind of thing. And then ultimately in the end, as, as much as you try, you never get it perfect. Um, so he definitely had to do some, for lack of a better word, hustling in post. And then I, mo- I moved across the country while filming this project. Um, so episodes two and three were shot in <laughs> You're Three a glutton days. for punishment. <laughs> Truly. And uh, so I moved across the country. Wow. So Will lives in New York and got booked to do many other things because he's very talented. So then I had to find other VFX people while I was out here. So that this project has had three VFX people uh, and they've all kind of had to, I hope I gave them something decent to work with, but like, it's really hard. Like I looked at Scott Pilgrim so much and a lot of like Edgar Wright stuff before doing this. And I'm like, how does anyone do anything? Uh, There is so much like, just like the way he'll like do transitions. I'm like, how did you know that this was gonna whip into this so ugh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was really hard, but a good learning experience. Yeah, I was gonna mention too, you know, you said you started writing this in 2015, obviously your perspective as a brown woman in America, and then how topical all of these things are still. Um, You're writing about serious topics, but making it funny. Can you talk about that as well? Yeah, so like the script, the original script was born of like a summer where my friend Sam Knowles and I were just like going out to get drinks every week and commiserating about our jobs because she 
is one of the only people I've met in my life that like thinks about work the same way I do, where it's like, we've known exactly what we wanted to do for so long and we'll do whatever we have to. And it's like, that always just involved us running around New York doing like 30 jobs. I, I, I remember once medic, the the Medicare, Medicare, I always forget which one's for older people and which one's <laughs> Medicare, maybe Medicare. Sure. I was calling yes. the Medicare office because it was on Medicare and they were like, you've had 26 jobs this year. And it's like, I'm not unique. This is a lot of people in New York, yeah. but it's just like those little things are just so uh, hard to surpass. And so Sam and I would talk a lot about that stuff. She worked, you know, as like an AP where she was really like a personal assistant for like $115 for 10 hour days. I worked as a nighttime assistant video editor uh, from like 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. shifts in Soho for like 150 bucks, no health insurance, yada, yada. So just talking about that and venting about that for a whole summer made me realize like I wanted my own response to like the slacker comedy because I was like, mm-hmm. we do not get high and like <laughs> fucking do nothing. Right. Because we can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, and like, uh, you know, I wanted to see what it looked like for two not fuck ups that get fucked up by a lot of things mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to exist in a web series. So that's sort of where the idea was born out of. And it felt relatable to my group of friends who were all, all my roommates were women of color and all of them were very, very like high achieving women of color uh, and very ambitious and very like New York hustly. Uh, so that's sort of where that idea came from. Yeah, I love it. It's just, it, it feels like you're running upstream. You're, you're just, you know, you can't ever catch up no matter how hard you work and and the fact that you're working harder than your Mm -hmm. counterparts that I I love that you included that too it's just like um there's a difference here and nobody's noticing it but our paycheck is the same and I tried like because one thing with this web series like if I could change I would make things a little more nuanced but what I tried to also represent is like sometimes the person that's like getting that thing over you isn't some evil supervillain. Like Meg to me is supposed to be this like blank canvas idiot person who doesn't mean any harm. She's just in a more privileged position. So it's like, sometimes the villains aren't like, don't come with fangs and horns. They're just like (laughs) part of a larger system. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 another thing that I I wanted to bring up that I really appreciated um was uh you know when your your character is told to use diversity yeah, in a better way. <laughs> yes. Otherwise it's useless. Uh, you know whatever that means and and I'm reminded you know we have a, a local filmmaker friend. He wrote this incredible screenplay for a Filipino with a Filipino family and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know maybe we can make this work, but uh we need, we'll need the, we're going to need the family to be white." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. well, why, right. you know, and it was, it's so infuriating. And so can, can you speak to just your experience in this field, having been told that your, your <laughs> culture is basically useless unless you use it, whatever totally. that is? I mean, there's so, oh, there's so many things because people kind of, it is a weird thing where it's like, Yes, 100% of the time I am an Indian American woman. Is that the only thing I'm thinking about when I'm in line at the post office? No, you're thinking about a 10,000 other things. And so it's this weird thing where it's like, yes, uh, it affects my daily life, but also there is stuff 
well, way beyond that, that adds to character. Like, this is such a random uh, thing to bring up, but did you see Minari by chance? I haven't oh yet. My I'm God. so sad I haven't it seen is- it. Okay. And I'm in love with him. And well, yes. I mean, he's uh, been on the he's been on the show. He's been on Bitch up. Talk. Yes. Yeah. So you're one step know. closer to him. Yeah. <laughs> because Thank of you. our, you're welcome. Thank you. Oh my God. Yes. Um, Minara, he's incredible. What I wanted to bring up, I hope this isn't a spoiler, Aaron, but like, no, it's fine. The grandmother character to me is such a uh, a wonderful character mm-hmm. because 100 percent of the time she is like an immigrant grandmother. Yes, that is true. Wonderful. She is a Korean woman. Yes, great. That is true. She also has other personality traits going on that are fun and mischievous and, and crazy and, and crazy. Yes. And I love that. She's the best. And, yeah. And so the thing that is infuriating is when people take what their their touchstone into your culture is, right? Like, oh, Rick, I read about the Indian matchmaker, arranged marriage, whatever. The amount of like arranged marriage scripts you are expected to write or strict <laughs> strict parent scripts. Like, hey, I gotta tell you something. My parents are not strict. They don't know anything that I'm doing. I don't think they knew a single <laughs> test I had. They never hovered because they didn't know. They're that type of Asian parent. They're like, huh? My kid took AP classes? I wasn't aware. So like- I didn't get a call from anybody uh, uh, kind of thing. And so like, there's so many things that people think they know about your culture that they want you to like show to other people and explain to other people. I'm like, one, I'm not the best person to explain Hinduism or arranged marriages because I am an Indian American learning about Hinduism and I haven't mm-hmm. had an arranged marriage, but the, that they always want that sort of, uh, ooh, what's that like? Uh, write about that like exotic experience kind of script, which is so boring and so tired unless you find a way to flip it on its head. Uh, so when I wrote that line, it was from this place of like, yeah, I have been told that before. Like, oh, why is this character Indian? It's like, because I'm Indian, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? I know, she, yeah, she's not fucking doing a bungra in this scene, but like, yeah, she's still fucking Indian. I don't know. Maybe she'll turn down a meat option later in the script. I don't know. Like it seeps in, in ways that might not be so obvious. Right. Uh, and I think people yeah. don't have the patience for that sometimes. Oh my God. Okay. So I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, Rika. Um, I just have a couple of questions. Can we talk about Celebrity Slumber Party? Because that looks like a lot of fun. Um, And let's just talk about John Cho. Hello. Um, Speaking of, yeah. Yeah. I was like, speaking of. um, And also a voicemail from my mom on your (laughs) website. I I listened to that like three times. I was laughing so hard. (laughs) So, you know, whichever one you want to pick first. Yeah. So, Celebrity (laughs) Slumber Party. So I was the head writer at College Humor and um, we had like, we get random asks that are like, Charmin wants to do a branded content video or whatever, things that are like- toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. You get it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so one of our asks was like, oh, do we have a version of a press junket? Like something that's not a stuffy press junket, but it's a little more interesting. And I had already had this pitch of like a little unscripted game show that's like sleepover games. Um, so it might've been Sam Reich or Mike Trapp at College Humor that was like, oh, can we kind of combine these? Can it be like a celebrity slumber party thing? And my my friend and the excellent director that everyone should hire, uh, Ryan Anthony Martin, directed all of these and like had a really cool vision of it looking like this really cozy sleepover and being in this like little goofy tent. And so then we just 
plugged the games I came up with, came up with, (laughs) copped from every sleepover across America, (laughs) but like twisted with my own like stupid questions. Uh, And I just got to like sit and improvise with these people. Uh, So like John Cho was our first one and he was very fun. He brought a glass of rosé. It was like, ab. Yes. 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 I love that. Absolutely, John Cho. And he was very down to clown, which is great because sometimes you worry if people are like, like yes, you your your PR agreed to do this. Did you? Do you are you right. gonna have fun? Or are you right. gonna be like weird? Yeah. Uh, he was totally down to clown and improv with me. Uh, then we had uh, Jack Black. Yes, who, that was hilarious. Yes, was <laughs> insane. Um, and then we had uh, uh, Kyle. Mc, uh, yes, you did. Mc, Kyle yes, McLaughlin. Kyle yes. McLaughlin and um, Eli Roth. Yes, that one was so fun. That was a really weird episode, but. It was because we did like a Halloween sort of spooky theme and like you have Eli Roth sitting there. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but uh, yeah. John Cho was hilarious. I, and the hamburger phone. And oh my, like, he improvised. We were like, can you do something while I'm asleep? And yeah. He, yeah, it was very funny. Loved that. So yeah. That, that, we thought that was just like a fun way to do a press junket of just like, hey, you get asked the same questions all the time. Yep. What if I just... Mm-hmm like slipping in a little thing about your movie, but ask you mostly stupid questions. Like, yeah. Would you like to kiss a piece of cake? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever the hell I asked him. Mary, fuck, kill a cake? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, John Cho's answers were very uh, interesting. So. Greco-Roman wrestling. I remember he said yes. that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wanted to fuck cookies. Anyways. Yes. Um, and that, yeah, your mom's voicemail. Oh, please. yeah. I mean. My mom, okay. <laughs> Yeah, like my mom doesn't know what I do or like anything right. about the industry. And I think that's pretty par for the curse for like immigrants that have American kids that go into this industry and that's fine and I don't care and that's whatever. Uh, but she will, she does call me like, I don't know, 87 times a day and, and leave me so many voicemails. I, I, I will often have like 80 voicemails from her and all of them are of some variety of like, Hi, Rika. This is mom. Uh, don't mess up your life. Blah, 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 blah. When I got into the Between or got the Between Two Ferns movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I told my dad and he's like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's this like, uh, <laughs> they, you know, Zach Galifianakis. He's a like, who, 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 who? And I was like, uh, he's in The Hangover. He's like, okay. Okay, we'll we'll watch it. Okay, uh, uh, my, I told my mom, and she was like, "Okay, well, I today I went to the library and this that da, da, da. and I was like, "Hey, I, I just told you I got into a movie," and she said, "Well, I'm not going to be your cheerleader," and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Okay," and that's where and that's where those Indian stereotypes are true. Um, right. Yep. Yep. Throwing shade. AC throwing through. shade. Yep. Yeah. So yep. she Bye. she yeah she will often leave me voicemails like that. But yes, you were going to say Angela. No, I just, Reka, you are a force to be reckoned with. We love you. I'm just going to put it out there. Can you please come back often? Yeah. Um, <laughs> your work is fucking incredible. Oh, um, and you. and one of my, I, I just kind of want to end with saying like one of my favorite parts of the episode is when you use your standard, what is it, a standards coin or whatever oh, yeah. as one of your weapons, yes, because, yes. you know, we're talking about character characters in a, in a game in a video game so you have like a standard coin that you fight off evil with um and i thought that was fucking awesome and so smart um so do you have any advice for people that are you know 
in your shoes, were in your shoes that are still working their asses off and need to pay the rent, but still need to have their standards and, and, Mm -hmm. and, and believe their worth. I think a really important question to like, really, really ask is like, do I need to take this job? Like if it's like a job that doesn't sound good, uh, cause sometimes the answer is yes. And you're like, I need money. I do need to take it. But sometimes the answer for me, I found, especially when I got into assistant video editing freelance, after I like quit my other job doing it, uh, was, uh, oh, I'm just scared if I don't take this, that I won't get the next one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's your brain playing a trick on you <laughs> and the way you develop standards is sometimes like one day I just had to say, I have to be confident enough after doing night jobs for like two years to say, I can't do any more night jobs. They're like significantly decreasing the quality of my life. Mm-hmm. And then I have to, once I say no to those, I have to just take that leap of faith that I will then put the energy towards day jobs only. Uh, and like, that's a really big leap of faith to make that you have to like assess your personal finances to make. But after about a couple of years of doing that, I was able to do that. So I think that's a really important question to ask. Is this fear-based or like reality-based? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think too, I think it was Keisha Zoller, who's a really talented writer that everyone should hire, said that she has like a few questions she asks herself before taking a job. Again, if you are able to, which is like, is this worth my time? Is it worth the money? And are the people worth it? Mm. And if if none of those are true, oh my God, get the fuck out of this job. (laughs) It's not even worth the money. Um, If it's worth the time, great. You're like getting experience out of it. Great. If it's worth the money and you need the cash. Great. If the people are great and they're people you want to build connections mm-hmm. with. Great. If it's all three, oh my God, you found mm-hmm. the dream job. Uh, so I try to ask myself similar questions like that too. Okay. Last question for real. Do you feel, <laughs> or do are you seeing in, in this moment within the last couple of years, the tides turning a bit in Hollywood for women and women of color, or is it a show? Uh, it might be a bit of a show still. Um, I think there's still a lot of instances where you're the only one in the room and like, what does that mean? And, you know, um, are you able to voice like a, Hey, all the people in this scene are white, just letting you know, like kind of thing. Are you not able to say that? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is getting better, but like pretty incrementally, uh, you know, even just we brought up Minari, the whole like debate around it being like considered an American film or a foreign language film. Right. Motherfucker takes place in Arkansas. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Right. Uh, it, so bad. It is baffling. Uh, uh, that's crazy. Uh, there are plenty of Americans who speak Korean. Um, right. <laughs> so yep. it's, it's stuff like that where you're like, oh, my God, what the fuck is up? But then you can you go back if I'm talking 2015, I'm like, there was no movie uh, in the like award contention that had an all Korean cast. And it's like, that is scraps, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'll take scraps for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, in terms of like higher ups, uh, we still need to break that barrier of like higher ups being more diverse. And like, I, I, I'm talking, I, I, this sounds weird, but like actually diverse. Cause it's like, for me, I'm just one Indian American woman with an X background. But if you got an Indian immigrant, she would have a totally different, like that we would not occupy the same role in a room. Right. <laughs> We're not a monolith. 
So there's like that kind of diversity. It's like, cool, cool, cool. You can't just have one. Right. Uh, if you're doing an Indian show, you can't just have like all Indian Americans or something that are all from the same socioeconomic background. You got to have a lot of people. Uh, so I think we're still breaking that barrier too. Yeah. Well, Rekha, so nice to have you on Bitch Talk. And seriously, come back whenever. We could, I probably, could probably talk forever about a lot of different things. Yeah, this was <laughs> this was so fun. And we loved we loved Hustle. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, can't wait to see what you do next. Thank yeah. you guys so much. This was a blast. Oh, good. Thanks for being on Bitch Talk. Yeah. Of course. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. GoTo Productions.